Let's go for the worship band again. Great job, guys. It's his room. Thanks for leading us in worship tonight. So, tonight, we're continuing our series, Made for More. But before we get into it, I want to talk real quickly about... I'm having a hard time here. <laughs> Thanks. I might just have to go no mic. We're going to do that. Okay. Anyways, it's okay. We tried. So, how are you guys doing? Good. You're doing all right. You're here? You made it? Thanks for coming. Great to see you guys. Every Wednesday night when we come here, we look at God's Word. And I believe that every time we open God's Word, whether that's in your own uh, like personal devotions or we're doing it here through the preaching of God's Word, every time we open God's Word, there's potential for the supernatural. And what I mean by that is that God has something that He wants for you to hear from His Word. Every time you look in the Word of God. I believe that. Something supernatural can happen. God's going to do the super, and he's going to try to speak to you. But you have to do the natural, and you have to listen, right? You have to have the ears to listen to what God wants to say to you tonight and every time we look into the word of God. So we've been going through this series, Made for More, and we're talking about all kinds of different things. And uh, we're going to close it next week with, with kind of like a Q&A sort of thing. But tonight is our last I guess I'd call it like a, a sermon in this series, Made for More. And we started out talking about the authority of Scripture. And we tried to progress from why God's Word is the authority for us on all subjects to specific subjects. So we talked about the, the authority of Scripture, finding our identity in Christ and not in other things. We talked about a picture of marriage, this good thing that God created us for, this good thing that God created sex for. We talked about who do we date? How do we decide uh, what's a good person to date? The importance of having a shared faith with your spouse. We talked about sexual temptation. We talked about pornography. We talked about what it means to be a man of God, what it means to be a woman of God. We talked about God's de design for gender. We talked about same-sex attraction, and tonight we're talking about something that I think reverberates, or it's kind of a big word, permeates something that goes through all these subjects, and that's shame. It's shame. We all feel shame sometimes. Everyone in this room has felt shame for something in your life. Maybe it's a mistake you made. Maybe it's something that you had no control over, but we've all felt shame. And I think in topics related to sexuality especially, there is deep shame associated with these things, with sexual sin, with sexual temptation. And so I want to ask that you guys have open ears tonight. Listen, because God wants to say something to you. Maybe there's something you need to hear tonight. The first point we're talking about tonight is that you were made to be unashamed. You were made to feel shame. You were made for more than that. You were made to be unashamed. We, we looked at the way back and we talked about a picture of marriage. We looked at God's original design for us in the Garden of Eden, this perfect relationship between God and humanity. Adam and Eve, they had this perfect relationship between one another. In Genesis 2.25, it says, The man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. And this is talking about being physically naked, yes, but it's also talking about something much more than that. It's talking about the ability to be completely open with the person, completely uh, vulnerable, to be who you actually are, to be your real 
self and to believe that your real self can be fully known and also fully loved. Vulnerability didn't exist in the garden. Because to them, they had no concept of what it means to be vulnerable with another person. Because to them, that just meant to be normal. They didn't know any different other than what we would see as vulnerable to them. That is to be normal. To be completely open with someone else was normal. They knew no other way. It never crossed their minds that they might not be accepted where they're at. That they might not be loved where they're at. They were unashamed. They believed that they could be fully known and fully loved at the same time. It means that someone can know absolutely everything about you. Every single thing about you. All the secrets. Maybe secrets that you keep to yourself about a secret sin or whatever it may be. Shame that you have in your life over thoughts or, or lusts or temptations or, or something that was done to you. Someone can know all that about you. Everything. And still love you. That's what it means to be unashamed. Sin was not in the world. There were no secrets. No part of themselves was reserved from each other or from God. But we know that's not the case today. That's not the case today. That's not the case for any of us. Right? We all have secrets. We all have pieces of ourselves that we're ashamed of. We have things that we've held back from God and others. We have things that, maybe even things that we've done or things that have been done to us that we're ashamed of. And there's no topic, I think, where the, the darkness of shame covers us more than the topic of sexuality. But maybe for you it's not sexuality. Maybe it's something else. We're still talking about all kinds of shame tonight. Maybe you have shame because of something you've done with someone else, something you did yourself. Maybe you have shame because of pornography, because of gender struggles, because of not being a good enough man or woman of God. Maybe it's same-sex attraction. Maybe it's a sexual temptation. Maybe it's something else entirely. I don't know. But what I do know is you have shame. Because shame came into our world when Adam and Eve sinned. And tonight... I want you to think about that shame that you usually push to the back of your mind. You know what I'm talking about. I don't really, I might not know what you're talking about, but you know for yourself. Think about that shameful thing that you usually push to the back of your mind. And I want you to bring it to the light as we're talking about this tonight. Face it. The first, the second point tonight is that we feel shame because sin separates us from God. This is why we feel shame. We weren't made to be separated from God. We weren't made for that. We were made to know Him, for Him to fully know us as we are. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. A wage is what you earn, right? You do your job, you get paid, you earn that. What you earn when you sin, the Bible says, is death. It's death. It's separation from God. It's a sever, severed relationship from God, not only temporarily where, where you're not living with God on this earth, but eternally where you're not living with God in eternity in a place called hell. That is what it means to be spiritually dead. That is the wages of sin. And shame lies. But every good lie has a little bit of truth. 
What do you guys call a half-truth? White. white lie, a little lie, maybe less of a lie, but we still call it a lie, right? Do you, if your doctor comes to you and, and prescribes something to you, do you want your doctor to be giving you like a half-truth? I wouldn't. I want him to, to be giving me the full truth. And so if we focus on the wages of sin is death, that's true, but that's only half the truth. But here's what shame does. Shame wants to take that truth, the wages of sin is death, and make you just focus on that. Make you focus on that half truth. And it works because it is true. It is true that we deserve death. It is true that we deserve condemnation. It is true that we deserve to be separated from God. It's true that we don't deserve to know God because of our sin. That's all true. But it's not completely true. It's only a half truth. The word gospel means good news. It means good news. If someone comes to you and, and you're sick and the doctor comes and says you're sick and you're going to die. And that's all they tell you. That's bad news, right? But if they say you're sick and you're, you're going to die, but here's the great news. Here's the cure. You take this pill, you're cured. You're all better. Well, that bad news suddenly became pretty good news, right? You're glad that you heard about that. The gospel is the good news that for sinners, there is a Savior. That even though the wages of sin is death, there is a Savior who died for us. But shame makes you forget makes you forget the sorry makes you remember the sin and forget the savior shame makes you remember the sin and forget the savior it makes you focus on the fall and not on the father it makes you run away from the redeemer and hide from the healer the wages of sin is death it makes you think okay the wages of sin are, is death this is what i deserve i deserve this death i'm just going to stay here because that's the truth, and I'm not moving forward. And shame has been around for a long time. You're not the first person to deal with shame. If you didn't know that, you probably did. But really, you are not the only person in this room dealing with shame tonight. After Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, sin came into our world and into our hearts. They immediately felt shame right after they did that. Genesis chapter 3 uh, verse 7. It says this, Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves lying cloths. So before, it said they were naked and they felt no shame. After they sinned, what happened? It says their eyes were open, and all of a sudden, they realized that they were naked. They realized that they were being completely open and honest with another person because of their sin. They didn't want to be open and honest with another person anymore. They wanted to cover themselves because shame came into their hearts when they sinned. That's what happened. A switch flipped in their mind. They went from being completely open and vulnerable to thinking, now there is something about me that needs to be covered. There's something about me that needs to be hidden because I'm ashamed of myself. And that's what happens when you feel shame. You make a mistake and you cover yourself. You put on a face for others in your life. You put on a face for your family. You put on a face for your friends. You put on a face at church. But inside, you're in shame. 
You act happy because you know that's what you're supposed to do. But you don't want anyone to know the hurt. And you don't want anyone to know the burden you carry. Because if they did, no one could ever love you. That's how shame makes you feel. That's what shame says. So you live your life like it's this game of hide and seek. And you're hiding from one person after another constantly. And you're hiding so much. And you're hiding in the darkness of your heart, in the darkness of your shame. And no one is coming to find you because you believe you don't deserve to be found. But tonight, someone's looking for you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 11. They heard God and hid. And look at this. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, Who told you? That you were naked. Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? They heard God walking through the garden, and their response was to hide. Their response was in shame to cover themselves, to cover themselves from the God that knew them, the God that knew everything about them, the God that loved them, created them, gave them purpose, all these different things. They hate, they cover themselves away from God. And here's what's interesting to me. It says they hid among the trees of the garden. They hid among the trees of the garden. Everyone has a hiding spot that they run to when they feel shame. Everyone has a hiding spot. I can't help but wonder. Their sin was they ate from the tree of forbidden fruit, right? I can't help but wonder if the place they hid in the garden, among the trees of the garden, was anywhere near that tree where they felt shame for the first time. Because oftentimes when we sin, when we're covered in shame, to get rid of that shame in our lives, we go back to that thing that made us feel shame in the first place to try to cope with that feeling we're dealing with. They went back to the trees. They hid from God among the trees of the garden, among the same trees where they felt shame for the very first time. Shame makes us hide in our darkness. If you feel shame for, from an addiction, maybe you cope with that shame by going back to that addiction. If you feel shame because of a sinful relationship, maybe you go back to that toxic relationship because you only know how to hope to feel safe. You don't know how to really feel safe. It was eating from the fruit of the forbidden tree that caused sin and shame to enter into the hearts. And among the trees of the garden, Adam and Eve hid in their shame. God was looking. God was looking for them. God says, where are you? When we sin, God still pursues. When we hide, God still looks for us. Even when we feel like we don't deserve to be found. Adam responds to God, God, I, I, was, I was hiding. When I heard you walking through the garden, I was afraid. I was afraid and I hid myself because I knew that I was naked. Shame makes you afraid of being known. And most of all, it makes you afraid of being known by the God that you sinned against. Adam is afraid of being known now. He's afraid of being known by God because of what he's done. 
He's afraid of that. I think when we feel shame, I think it breaks God's heart. It's not what God wants for you. God doesn't want you to bear that burden. This verse 11, I've read this a lot of times. Um, but reading this, you know, getting ready for this message, I just, I saw it differently than ever before. It was like I could hear the broken heart of God when he asked this question. In the past, when I read this verse, it's God saying like, who told you you're naked? Did you, did you sin? Did you disobey me? But now that I look at this, and I look at the context of the shame, where they're not ashamed before, and now they are, God's, I think God's heart is broken here. And God's asking, who told you that? Who told you that you were even open in the first place? Who's the, who made you feel this shame that you're feeling right now? Who told you that? God can see that they're broken. God can see that they're now bur- bearing the burden of shame. When they're made for more, they're made for freedom. Before they were naked, they felt no shame. They didn't know they were completely open and honest because they knew nothing else. They didn't know what it felt like uh, to, to have to hide any part of themselves from another person. They didn't know what it felt like to feel shame. But God is asking them, why do you feel shame right now? Did you sin? Is that, is that why you feel shame? Is that what happened? Who told you? Because it wasn't me. Who told you that you need to cover who you truly are to be really loved? Who told you that you should remain in darkness and hiding? Who told you that you shouldn't or you can't be in a relationship with me? Who told you that? Because it wasn't me. I didn't tell you that. Who made you feel this way? I didn't. God's saying, I made you for more. Did you eat from the tree? Did you sin? I said, yes. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And they're feeling that death. And they're feeling that shame. And they're feeling that severed relationship with God. And tonight you walked in here with a beating heart and legs that work and eyes that can see and ears that can hear. And you're alive on the outside but you're dead on the inside because you're separated from God and you're drowning in a sea of shame. Shame from that thing that happened to you. Shame because you feel like you'll never be enough and no one is looking for you where you're hiding right now. Because the wages of sin is death. But the story doesn't end there. Romans 6.23 continued, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Shame is silenced at the cross. Shame is silenced. God knows all of who you are. God knows all of who you are completely, 100%, and He loves you as you are, knowing all of that. Why would you stay in shame when you can come to Christ? You can come to Christ. You don't have to hide. He bore your shame on the cross. He bore 100% all of your sin. Would you come to him and receive the free gift of eternal life? I don't care if this is your first time coming to church or if you've been here your entire life. You need Christ. And you have shame in your life that you need to deal with. 
that you need to get right with God. Shame wants to keep you stuck. Shame says, no one is looking for you, but God says, where are you? Right? Shame says, you deserve to die. And Jesus says, that's why I did. Shame says, you aren't good enough, and grace says, you don't have to be, because he is. And what he did is enough. Shame says, you are made for darkness. The cross says, you are made for more. Shame says you are made for this burden. The cross says you are made for more. Shame says you are made for failure. The cross says you are made for more. Tonight, would you step out of hiding? Bring your uncovered self, your unashamed self, to God. Because he's looking for you. He's waiting for you. Uh, tonight, I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and then we're going to do something real quick. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone tonight that's feeling shame, God. That they would reach out to someone, talk to someone about that, but first off, reach out to you. To you. Know that they can bring themselves to you, God, to the foot of the cross. Receive that love and forgiveness that you have there for them, just as they are, God. Pray that you give them boldness to do that and come forward. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.